This episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast is brought to you by On Point Pomade. Keep your beard and hair looking on point with their line of pomades and beard oils over at onpointpomade.com. Use our code BSP15 at checkout and get 15% off your total purchase order. So thanks again to On Point Pomade for sponsoring our show. This episode is also sponsored by the Bean Bastard Coffee. Head over to thebeanbastard.com and pick up any one of their delicious hand-roasted coffees. Coffee lovers will also enjoy their hand-cut and handmade espresso candles and soaps as well. If you're in the Buffalo, New York area, head to their store located at 448 Elmwood Avenue. And thanks again to the Bean Bastard for supporting this show. Brutally Speaking Podcast is proudly sponsored by Rockabilia.com. With over 500,000 officially licensed items in their online store, you're guaranteed to find something you need. Use our code BREW and get 10% off your total order. Now on to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am your host, John, and this episode's guests are Stormy Daniels and Justin Loop, uh, or Lupe. I'm not entirely sure. He didn't actually say his last name, but aka the Spooky Babes. Uh, and yes, that is correct. That Stormy Daniels. This is a really fun chat. Uh, we definitely get into some really interesting uh, conversations in this one. Uh, for those of you maybe that don't know, um, Stormy has basically, aside from everything that you know about her, uh, basically in the last handful of years has really embraced uh, becoming a medium and kind of being a paranormal uh, investigator and so forth. And and we really, really go deep down uh, into that topic uh, throughout this whole conversation. Uh, so it was really cool getting to uh, talk to Justin and Stormy. And I really want to give a quick shout out to uh, basically Lindsay Manfredi of Cold uh, for basically setting this up. Um, Obviously, she has been friends with Stormy for a little while and had been kind of championing, uh, basically, to have Stormy come on and kind of talk uh, about her show that she'd been working on with Justin, uh, Spooky Babes, uh, and basically just that it would be really good. And um, yeah, put us in touch. And I have to say, it was a really interesting conversation. Um, I'm I'm really interested to kind of see how this ends up going uh, as far as the reaction to this, because... Uh, like I said, we've never talked about paranormal things uh, on the show, and it's definitely something that I have experiences with uh, between myself, between, as you'll hear me say, uh, some exes of mine and just friends and so forth. So it's something that I, I don't necessarily want to discredit or want to make light of. Um, I know some people have their own feelings about everything, that everything can be debunked, that it's all bullshit. Um but at the end of the day, like, no one really knows. So at the end of the day, why 
why not at least just listen and maybe get a differing perspective on something that you don't know? Um, and that's exactly what Stormy and Justin and I did. Uh, I was having just a really interesting conversation um, about basically how Stormy got into, you know, tapping into being more of a medium and, and kind of that side of her. Uh, she tells some wild stories. Uh, Justin basically learning how to... Um, get more acquainted with his healing powers uh i think as of when i'm recording this uh he is now officially a licensed reiki uh i don't know if it's an instructor or just a, a i'm not exactly sure what the term is uh but basically uh he is a certified uh, to do that i guess but yeah this is just kind of a trip i i did ask a trump question uh, i'm not going to beat around the bush on that one but i asked it I, I think I asked a really good one. It's not something in my due diligence of, you know, reading up on Stormy or anything that she's gone through that I've really heard. Uh, it was kind of one that really came to me in the moment as she was talking about some of the experiences she's had uh, with being, you know, a medium and kind of being able to read rooms and, and kind of uh, in talking about just some of the stuff that she had gone through uh, in her life. So it was really cool getting to talk to everybody. And I'm going to go ahead and take a sip of this beer. I'm going to tell you what I'm drinking and we'll get right into my conversation with Stormy and Justin. Mm, fucking delicious. I am, uh, for this episode, drinking the uh, Dragon's Milk Reserve. Uh, this is a, a, a very nice, it's one of my favorites uh, out of the Dragon's Milk series that they've been doing over the last uh, year or two at this point where they release one every so often. Um, this is a bourbon barrel-aged stout with peanut butter, cocoa nibs, and other natural flavors. Uh, you get a really nice... Uh, kind of chocolatey flavor up front with a nice subtle kind of peanut butter peanut butter chocolate kind of aftertaste um new holland has always just killed these dragon's milks and i feel really bad for people who aren't in the distribution area of these because they do some really incredible flavors um one of my favorites out of the whole series has been the uh, and i'm probably gonna get this wrong the stroop waffle god that thing is so fucking amazing um i wish i could just buy it by the gallons. It's it's so easily drinkable and it's so good. Um, let's take another sip of this real quick. Yeah, just a really nice bourbony barrel flavor with the chocolate, and then like I said, like a nice finish of the of the peanut butter. The thing I like about this one compared to and Dragon's Milk as a whole versus a lot of the other. Um, bourbon barrel kind of stuff is sometimes with bourbon barrel beers, the bourbon barrel aspect of it is just so overwhelming that it just kind of hits you in the mouth and you're it kind of overwhelms the other flavors that are supposed to be in with the uh, the beer. And something New Holland has always done very well, and and with Dragon's Milk especially, is not letting that be the focus of the flavor. They somehow are able to almost have that be the enhancement like basically the chocolate and the peanut butter go very well with a bourbon barrel uh base kind of and so you're just left with this really nice balanced beer um it's stupidly fucking good um i know that this this one i think is out now at this point like they, they've stopped selling this one so this is from my uh, collection in my own uh mini fridge here in the uh office and uh without further ado Let's get into my conversation with Stormy Daniels and Justin, a.k.a. the Spooky Babes, and I will talk to you on the other side of it. Justin, correct? I, I mean, 
Okay. As I say, I've been uh, looking at some of the, the content that Stormy sent over to the uh, like the trailer and so forth, but it's one of those like as you're watching it, you're kind of like watching the trailer for for the show. I was like, okay, the doll. Like I was trying to. I know I've seen it in some of your Instagram posts and stuff like that, and I've heard uh, Lindsay kind of talk about it in some of her posts and so forth. And it was one of those where I was like, is the doll? Um, like was kind of paying attention to the doll at first. And I think, you know, you were like, Oh, I used to be in this band and kind of telling the, the story of how you two met in yeah. the trailer. And then I was just kind of like, Oh, there's that doll. And then like, so my mind was like, how, like, where did the doll come from? And do you guys explain that in the trailer and all that kind of stuff? So I kind of forgot some of the formalities of uh, the names uh, being said, introducing everybody. Oh yeah, totally. Actually, Stormy's going to get the doll right now. Susan. <laughs> Susan. Okay. I was like, I remember it has a name. I just don't remember what it was but i was like i know it's like sign for me seinfeld uh related um if you ever watched seinfeld at all a little bit but yeah there she is and what was the story of susan where where did you find her or get her again uh originally she belonged to the doll belongs to a little girl who passed away in the 1950s and from there she was uh and they called in the warrens to come and cleansed the house and they took the doll. So they had Susan for a very long time in their museum. About 10 or 11 years ago, she was auctioned off for a children's charity and she was purchased by another paranormal investigator named John. And one of the first locations Justin and I went to, the doll sort of made it known that she wanted to be with us. And fast forward, John gave Susan to me and she's been with me almost 24 seven for like six months now. Um, forgive me, I'm looking something up because some of what you just said reminded me of, I think, a podcast I just listened to the other day uh, with the person you're referencing. Um, John. Um, who the fuck is it? I guess it's Maximus McIntyre. Do you know who that is? No. Okay, so I was listening to. Um, I was listening to uh, Jesse Leach, the singer of Killswitch Engage, uh, started a podcast recently, and with uh, this guy Matt Stocks, who's a journalist uh, overseas, over in like Europe or somewhere, and wow. they had this guy on, and he was talking about how he is in. Uh, like he's a pastor or whatever, but he also has been involved in doing, um, and I'm totally going to blank on the correct phrasing of this of, uh, like exorcisms and stuff like that. And had worked with, uh, the Warrens and had done a lot of stuff with them. And it was like one of those things. And I swear he said something about a John or whatever. So like all of this just, Oh, goes, oh, 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 okay. I'll fill in the gap for you. John Zappas. Okay. Not John Bullard. (laughs) So it's one of those things where it's just like really weird that it's like I just listened to that podcast like a week ago. The abbreviated version. If you want the longer version, I'll tell you. So Susan belonged to a little girl who passed away in 1955. This was, you know, her her prized possession, her binky, her whatever. And I am firmly believe that if they had buried Susan with the the girl, everything would be fine. But this Mm. girl suffered, and I've done a lot of work, a lot of research, a lot of mediumship. I've like you know talk to other friends that are mediums and psychics or whatever without giving them any information that's how i know that this information is correct because they all come back with the same thing and susan will talk she's told me things herself we have it on phone uh anyway the little girl suffered pretty terribly 
and you know, treatments weren't as good back then. I think she had stomach cancer. Mm. Something was wrong with her tummy and she passed. And then the family said, you know, she had obviously lots of dolls, lots of toys, but this one in particular uh, just started giving them the creeps. Like it would move or just, I I don't know all the details, but they called in Ed and Lorraine Warren and then they cleansed the house and they took the doll and Susan lived in their museum for about 50 years. I'm going to guess. And from there, after Ed passed, a lot of those possessions went on to their, is it their nephew? Their nephew, John Zaffis, who is who you're thinking of. And he had a television show for a while called Haunted Objects, I believe. Yeah, I think that was something they were talking about. Because the the guy, this Maximus guy or whatever, was talking about how when he got into working with the Warrens that, you know, like, like a lot of people, you're kind of skeptical initially of, of the things and um, how everything works, you know, and if people are somewhere along the way, people aren't kind of collectively trying to dupe you. Um, And there's just kind of, it was, it's kind of fascinating because like, I think, and and the thing I was kind of looking forward to talking to you two about is, you know, I've not really ever gone down this road on, on the podcast, but I mean, first and foremost, I mean, you guys are in New Orleans, New Orleans right now. Yeah. And uh, my wife and I went to New Orleans early last year, right, right before the pandemic basically hit. Um, and it was kind of an interesting time because I had to put my dog that I'd had uh, for about almost 12 years down on literally New Year's Day last year. Um, so we had that. Then uh, her grandmother passed away. So we had a trip to Arizona. And then basically like a week or two weeks later, we went to New Orleans. Weren't really feeling excited about going on a trip because it's just like, you know, you're dealing with a lot of other shit that kind of hit us very randomly. Um, and I remember we went with, uh, we happened to meet a lot of friends that were down there for uh Shiprock, which is an annual yeah. cruise. Okay. So we, we met up with a lot of people that were down there for Shiprock, you know, whether they're in bands or friends that just were going on the boat. And before, I think the day before they went, um, we went on a guided tour of the, I'm totally going to blank on it. I know it has a specialty name, but it's, it's the cemetery that's over by the hard rock cat or the, the hard rock cafe. What was that? Yeah. Yeah. And I remember as I kind of was walking through the thing that kind of kept drawing me like, you know, cause it was weird how many people they had in there for the tours. Like I expected it to be like maybe us and one other, but there's like six or seven groups in there. And it was kind of tough. Cause like, you're just constantly running into people. Um, and I kind of wanted to take some like photos. Cause there's like a lot of interesting uh, stuff in there. To me, visually, I thought there was a lot of cool, like little things. Like I noticed when you walked in, uh, where you you're the person's there, kind of to take the money or accept who like the list of who's come, supposed to be there. And there was this like weird triangular, like almost uh, almost like a uh, urn of sorts on top of like a, a headstone, basically, or a grave marker, and no one noticed it. It was very weird. And it was just kind of interesting how like in all of this kind of white and marble was this like kind of faded gold triangular uh, kind of urn. I have a photo of it somewhere that I took because like there also just happened to be like dead roses on it, uh, like black and I think red. Um, so I ended up taking some photos and stuff, but I kind of kept noticing because the hard rock was hadn't been fixed basically or demolished or whatever. <laughs> and it was surreal to be standing in a grave, a graveyard basically, and seeing this, like this most recent tragedy that kind of befell new Orleans. Uh, so, so soon and hearing the stories of like, they still haven't found the bodies. Um, and then even hearing when one of our guides was kind of taking us to all these different spots around new Orleans, 
I had heard him talking to a, a trainer uh, or a trainee, I should say, a guide, and they were saying that the the newer story that had been coming out was that uh, the people that owned the casino or, or were owning the building of that were trying to buy more of the businesses and none of the businesses would sell. And so they're saying that, you know, obviously we've all heard um, that the materials that were being used to build that were, were pretty subpar, almost like it was intentionally meant to fail at some point. And possibly the now rumor that I heard at the time was that that horrible accident or all of the, 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 destruction basically that was going to go on was going to lower the property value of everyone else and scare them into moving and that then they would sell because now who wants to be have a business next to this dilapidated thing or where a tragedy happened like no one's going to want it and it was kind of interesting because as i was hearing this story and knowing that that's kind of how shit can go like where people will do something like that it also makes you think of you know, because the, the whole thing of New Orleans is obviously a very spiritual area. And it was something as I thought about it, where it's like, what happens to the energy that's now stuck in that building and trying to either escape or, or pos- possibly possess? And it's just kind of one of those that like, I, you know, you don't really think about those things sometimes. Maybe you two do more than I would. But it was something that it was just kind of eerie as I'm staring in this graveyard, looking, you know, maybe 100 yards across the street at this this building and just being like, there's still two people in there that haven't been found and haven't been reconnected with their families or at least the ending of rest. rest, Exactly. And it was very kind of heavy to just think about that. The most fucked up part about that is there was a body that was like exposed, hanging out, like windows and it was there for, I can't even tell you how long they just threw a tarp over it. But obviously the wind just blew it up. You could (laughs) see the guy from like outside for weeks and weeks. It was, fucking terrible yeah but there's so much tragedy that's happening in new orleans and there's so much underlying history of you know catastrophes and all of this you know energy being dispersed everywhere that that's why the place feels so rich and like it really does add to the culture and the vibe of it yeah it's really i mean not no pun intended but it's really the perfect storm for Hmm. normal activity because you have this area first of all it's one of the oldest cities in the united states and the older places just the more shit that's happened there. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you have one of the oldest cities in the United States. It has like the hurricanes, the yellow fever, slavery, all of these like terrible tragedies, wars. And it was, you know, it was, it changed hands so many times. Uh, and then you add that in with this melting pot of so many powerful religions. And we have the spiritualist church movement, voodoo, um, Catholic. I mean, just from all these other places come together in this basically unlike any other city in the United States, possibly even any other city in the world, it's literally a bowl. We're below right. the level. So you're surrounded by water, which is a conduit for energy. energy. So you just, it's literally the perfect storm. Yeah. I think that was the thing during the guided tour, which, I mean, I, I kind of just breezed around. Cause what I thought was interesting was the person we had seemed Definitely knew a lot about New Orleans, um, but I feel like was trying to really sell the the guided haunted tour kind of of sorts. Where instead, I feel like as I kind of popped around to other other parts because we we weren't able to kind of see everything on this guided tour. So I just kind of like went around, and it was interesting to kind of hear you know the other four or five guides kind of telling different things. And at times when I was waiting for a clear shot of you know a, a marker or whatever. 
you know, I'm hearing three different people come by and tell, you know, the big thing about, you know, this uh, headstone or, you know, the people that are buried in it, obviously Nick Cage uh, buying his way into into that cemetery. But what was interesting is one of the guides that talked about how, you know, a flood at, you know, with Katrina and stuff like that, like they have constant flooding issues and so forth. And, you know, just how a lot there's these lures that, um, you know, it just keeps displacing the spirits and all that kind of stuff. And that new Orleans, like you said, is just kind of filled with that because there's not really been anywhere for them to, to have a final resting place just because of the constant unrest uh, of, of the city. And that I thought was really interesting because it's like, it almost speaks to in a sports world. Cause you know, I'm a, I'm a sports fan. So like when uh, the saints won the super bowl mm-hmm. shortly after Katrina and it was, a, it was a big thing. It was a big, uh, moment that the city kind of really bonded over in spite of all the, the tragedies. But it's one of those where I feel like that's kind of the, the story of New Orleans as a whole from my time going there, which is it's just about no matter the setback that that town and that city will always overcome it. And I think that's, you know, the other part of it is that it's people are rich in their experiences and so forth. We're scrappy. Yeah. We're just <laughs> really go with the flow with it. Yeah. I mean, Whenever we're in some kind of like difficult situation or, you know, we've actually started saying, I'm from New Orleans, bitch. (laughs) I mean, we can, we survive so many things, you know, just the city and the people here. It's, there's no place like it in the world. I, I've been all over the world. Mm. I've, I've been to some of the oldest cities in the world. I've traveled to every state in the United States and this will always be home. And, you know, we spent the last six, well, last year on tour, the last six months straight, Justin and I have been living on a tour bus, like for six months straight. And we just moved back here. It's been almost two months and we're living in an old church now, mm-hmm. which is a story within itself, obviously. And, um, but it's good to be home. And there's just, honestly, there's nothing like it. It's definitely the most haunted city in the world. And yeah, you go on the haunted tours and the ghost you know, the ghost tours and all of those things. And there's the tourist hotspots and it's, those are not even the really haunted places. It's the only place I've ever seen that you drive around town and you see real estate signs and they'll say not haunted. Like, <laughs> you know, cause most of the places here are in fact haunted. Justin, how did you get into kind of being a paranormal and I'm not exactly always like sure of the terminology. I don't want to say a hunter or anything like that, but like just kind of getting into this space. How did you get into this? Is there a story of when you were growing up where you had kind of a predilection to these things happening? Um, a little bit here and there growing up. It's a lot of stuff that I did suppress and I was always kind of in touch with all of it. But I think that now in my lifetime, it just made perfect sense because I've always been someone that's almost like, you know, try to accept mortality and death and like romanticize on it. That's what I do with my music. And like, I, I spend a lot of time in the cemeteries whenever I'm not supposed to be in there. <laughs> it's, just, it's something like it's getting fascinations with it. And now doing the paranormal stuff, like obviously it was a no brainer that we, we needed to do it together. But now it's just kind of, understanding it more because you can accept death for what it is. You can, you know, read up on it and just be familiar with it. But then the afterlife thing is a totally different aspect and ball game of it. So it's all of this. It's fascination. 
I'm trying to remember what was kind of your beginnings with this story. Like what were kind of the earlier inclinations maybe that, you know, cause I know you're a medium and I know you do a lot of these other like readings and so forth. When did you kind of start tapping into that or really embracing that side of yourself? I had a couple of pretty significant paranormal experiences my whole life. Like just one or two things a year that were like, holy fuck, did that just happen? Mm. A little bit more when I was younger, um, up until, you know, I would say when I was 21, I, the big thing that happened to me is I, I was still dancing in Baton Rouge. I'm, I'm from Louisiana and I bought my first house and it was a brand new construction, nothing strange. And then something was in the house for about a week. And in mm. the end, it was undeniable. So it was a bunch of like concentrated paranormal stuff. I have now learned that it's because of me. They're, they seek me out because I'm a medium, but I didn't know that then. And we knew it was fucked. There was growls coming from the house. There was a fly infestation. There was lights around, like dancing around the room, like multiple people saw it. But that was the only thing that happened that year. You know, fast forward to I'm 23. I'm standing in the kitchen. I have now moved to LA and I'm living in this big mansion with a guy, a famous director. And uh, I had a premonition standing at the sink that his daughter was going to pass away. And five days later, we buried her. Mm. And so it's like these one or two big things. But then I got very active in the adult business. I was traveling all the time. I was working every day. Um, I was writing, directing, dancing, starring. I mean, I had this walking red carpets. Like I was just so busy that I didn't tap into it. You know what I mean? And then two years ago, I moved back to New Orleans and I rented a house uh, that was super fucking haunted. I mean, everything in New Orleans is haunted, but this place was next level. Um, and it was when I was living in that house that like all the things you see in a horror movies happened. Sounds, knocking, scratching, smells, insect infestation, things breaking shadows, things caught on film. I was at one point, like I had physical health problems. My hair fell out. I was bleeding from the eyes and the nose. During that time, I met Justin. And we became very good friends. He would come over and we would talk about paranormal stuff. Justin was a big paranormal fan. I had never watched any of the shows. I didn't know who the paranormal celebrities were, but he was more knowledgeable than I was at the time. So we would talk about things. And then I just got sicker and sicker and like more of this house just consumed. I mean, I I will never be able to find the words to explain what happened to me in that house. But everybody that stepped in there had a pretty significant unexplainable experience, including Justin. And it was when I was moving out that Justin had an experience in my downstairs bathroom and he was so freaked out. I ended up not going back to the house after that night. I stayed on his couch for a month and it was kind of in that time period that we really wanted to understand what was happening. I reached out to all the other shows, the ghost hunter, like all of those shows and asked for help and nobody responded to me. And I thought I was going crazy. And a couple people who thought who were like, what, okay, the stress of all the political stuff is getting to you, girl, you're nuts. You need to get on medication. I was like, no, I have this stuff on film. Justin's, you know, he's a lot younger than me, he's, but he's one of the smartest, most rational people I know. He's one of the first to debunk stuff. And he was like, no, bitch, this is real. Let's figure it out. You know, so I'll be, I'm the first one to say we actually started Spooky Babes because I'm a petty bitch and wanted to prove some people who said I was lying wrong. <laughs> That's how it started. But then we went to a couple of locations and uh, what we got was 
so intense and so significant and definitely kind of censored towards me. Like I walked in these places and knew shit that I should know. So, you know, I think people were like, Stormy, you're a medium. Then COVID happened. Hmm. So I think we only did two investigations before COVID. Um, and then COVID happened and everybody was in that severe quarantine lockdown. And so for what that meant for me was that for the first time in almost 20 years, I was stationary. Hmm. You know what I mean? I was, I, I quarantined cause I'd moved out of the house here. I went back to Dallas and quarantined with my daughter's father and my daughter. And I'm just, and that was also a house that I had had for six years, but it was brand new, definitely non haunted, never had anything strange happen there, but just being you know, in one place and quiet with no work combined with this collective energy of the entire planet of all, you know, being afraid and, and panicked with the uptick and deaths just created all this extra energy and stuff started happening in the house. Like I made the joke all the time that I started coming out of my bedroom in the morning in my living room with like the Beetlejuice waiting room. <laughs> I started like there's dead people. I was like literally I see dead people. Hmm. And I reached out to some people. I found somebody whose uncle had been missing. Unfortunately, the guy had passed away during camping from COVID, but I found the body like remotely. I told them where to look. I found a water leak in somebody's house. Like I just knew things and so it started happening and it got a little bit intense. So that was like April, May, June, and then we took the tour bus out in July, and we've been filming ever since. And the more you do it and the more you learn, because we knew nothing when we started, and nobody would help us, which is a whole other thing. Like, you know, the people in the paranormal field really shunned us, especially me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was attacked brutally. She does porn. She shouldn't be allowed to do this. They're such (laughs) assholes. Right. I was fake. They're like, oh, she just wants attention. No, this is not the attention I want. I was doing just fine. Plus, I'm pretty sure coming forward and saying that I talked to dead people were ruining my court cases because there's your insanity, like dismissal, you know? Right. Uh, and then they were super jealous because I had the tour bus and we were filming and whatever. They're like, oh, it's not fair just because she fucked somebody that she gets handed this show. And I was like, what I did, that's the thing is like, we are self-funded. I right. believe this so much and I was so freaked out by what happened to me in my house that I invested my own $300,000. Nobody gave me a show. Right. I paid for this. And anybody can have a show if they pay for it. But I think a lot of people don't understand that. And along the way, Justin and I have learned a lot and gotten different skills. And I started reading cards. I've never been wrong. Knock on wood. You know, we have Susan now. She's pretty special. We live in this haunted church in New Orleans. Uh, We're doing all these things. But and I, my gifts have definitely developed and I've become more comfortable and accepting and more open-minded. And I've seen, I have seen shit in the last year that if you, everything that you thought was real is, is not, hmm. or, you know, it's next level. The footage that we have rivals any show that I've ever seen on TV. But the most impressive part about this experience is the things that Justin can do now. Like, I might be good at reading cards or picking up on energies or chasing ghosts or whatever it is that you want to call me. I'm not psychic. I can't predict the future. So I'm more of a medium. I'm not even really sure what I am. Honestly, I carry around a doll. I'm a fucking weirdo, but conduit. But, but Justin can actually like heal people. Now we were on a TV, like a, a, not a TV show. We were on a show last week and the host called him out and Justin healed him and freaked him the fuck out. Like he can do things that I can't even. Like, well, I can talk to him like it was it was energy healing, just like, 
I'm not touching you, revealing you. It's crazy. I don't know how to explain it, but it's a thing, and I'm investigating it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, there's there's a handful of things that, as you were talking, um, that kind of thinking about, like, popped up some questions. <laughs> There's just, I, there's not really a nice way to say this. So I'll just fucking say it. Um, you know, obviously a lot, the perception of people who are in the adult entertainment industry is that they're broken or there's something wrong with them, which I think based on all the people I've ever encountered in the industry. And, you know, we just launched the episode with uh, Aaron uh, Smallhands. And I mean, that dude is like probably one of the smartest dudes I've probably had on the show, like so well-rounded because of the life he's lived outside of porn, even before that, just being a touring musician, working, you know, in the cocktail game, you know, being a bartender and so forth. Like that dude's lived so many fucking lives as has, you know, Joanna talking to her and stuff like that. It's one of those that most of the time I feel like people look down on the people in the entertainment in that entertainment industry because it's, they're more free than they could ever possibly imagine being that said, you know, I know and Aaron and I's talked that there was a comment, you know, about how like there are people like there should be an age, a higher age other than 18, you know, maybe it should be 21, just like the legal drinking age and so forth to be able to be a performer um, just for, you know, a lot of the, the men mental reasons and so forth. But as you were talking about, you know, people discrediting your abilities as a medium, because well, you did porn, I immediately kind of went the other way and was like, did you ever have experiences uh, with your powers through, uh, you know, basically in the medium sense, uh, being around as many people as you probably were between sets, you know, other people you started with and for as long as you were in the, in that space. Um, I didn't have anything paranormal happen in the business. Hmm. Um, the simple answer to that is no. Okay. I do think looking back that part of, whatever it is that I am made me such a good director. Like mm -hmm. I get the best performances out of people because I can help them with their energy, like explain things and help them with their energy. I, I, you know, there's a reason why I've had the same crew. 80% of the people who work for me have been with me for over 10 years, 15 years. You know, I have a camera operator that's been with me since day one. Uh, you know what I mean? There's usually in the adult business, like the crew changes a lot. Like they mm -hmm. bounce around and my crew is very loyal to me. And when I started doing spooky babes, I actually brought my adult adult crew with me mm. and we're shopping the show now. Obviously we have, you know, I can't talk too much about that, but one of the things that I am sticking to my guns is that, you know, whoever buys the show has to understand that I'm, they can't, they don't get to hire their mainstream crew. These are, these are my ride or dies. And they're right. Um, so the short answer to your question is no, but okay. maybe in a way it just, it helped my directing skills. Well, actually it almost, begs the question then i almost feel like you know where you were saying a lot of people didn't want to help you start kind of honing these skills or helping you in any way i almost feel like by having that crew that you've worked with so that's been so dedicated and tight-knit actually lends more credibility to what you're doing because they have spent time with you they know you as a person and how you work and all that kind of stuff so i feel like that actually lends more credence to what you've done because they have no reason i mean to, from my perspective they would have no reason to lie because you know, there's just not really a reason. The adverse though is, you know, as you were saying, like, you know, in the last year, really since uh, the pandemics happened, you know, you've kind of been able to harness and focus more of what you do. And even Justin's kind of grown into these extra set of skills, basically that he's still figuring out and learning about what he can do. When you guys got together and started talking about these things or just kind of experiencing things together, did it feel like, 
just this magic and this chemistry of like, oh my God, like you're both shaking your heads right away. So I guess there's the, there's the answer to my question right there. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, I mean, from the moment I met Justin, there was something, you know, special there and, and he's not my boyfriend. We've never been a romantic item. Uh, he's my family. You know, I'm closer to him than I've ever been with anybody. We've never had a fight. We lived in a tin, like a, you know, a tin can basically. Uh, I mean, he's definitely my soulmate, but he's not my romantic partner. And, but I, there's just something there, you know, I knew it from the first night I met him and we hung out and he was, he came over to have a drink and was supposed to stay an hour and stayed 12. And we just talked and talked and talked and we've basically almost been together and, you know, and the days that we weren't together, we definitely, but I don't think there's a single day that's gone by in the two years we've known each other where we didn't at least talk multiple times. Yeah. And there's, you know, I won't do this without him and I can't speak for him, but he better fucking feel the same way. <laughs> do you feel like, uh, that's a hard thing to kind of also overcome? Like, you know, I know like I, I personally have a lot of female friends and a lot of people are like, Oh, like, if I hang out with like one of my friends, like, like doing the podcast, sometimes I go to concerts and I'll interview someone and then I stick around for the concert, but I have, you know, an extra plus one or whatever. And my wife's not always able to come out with me because it's a Tuesday night and I still have, you know, four or five hours to drive back home. So I'll invite some of my friends out that are into, into those bands. And I know that the perception is like, you can't be friendly with someone of the opposite sex. And I always think it's kind of, it's such a shitty way to discredit a relationship just based on the fact that someone doesn't believe that that's how a relationship can be. Does, do you feel that maybe that's another Avenue that some of the people, when you're shopping the show are like, Oh, there's, there's another hook we could sell this show on. Oh wait, never mind. They're not a couple or they're not brothers or they're not related or whatever. Like it always seems like with these paranormal shows, there's like gotta be some other hook than just literally what the hook of the show should be, which is. You know what? it might actually help because people are going to be like, oh, you know they're into each other. We're going to have enough options to book up. makes them keep coming back and watching, that's fine. And the fine. cliffhangers just going to be forever. Yeah. Forever. You know, I was fortunate enough. I've had one boyfriend since Justin and I have been close, since we've known each other, really. Mm-hmm. And he's also in the paranormal field, but he never questions me and Justin's relationship because he saw it. And mm-hmm. If you don't see it, you don't understand. Yeah. You know, like sometimes I have fans make snarky comments on my Instagram or my Twitter, like, oh, where's your little boy toy? And I'm like, hey, you know what? If you think that I'm hot enough to get something this beautiful, fine. But I don't ever, you know, he's been my date to all the award shows and stuff too. But I think people are kind of slowly started. I'm sure when we first started hanging out, that was like the big thing. But oh, yeah. now everybody kind of, if you see us together, you you, you know. Sure. I don't, but, I don't care that much what people think. It's not like, hey, it's not like he's horrible to look at. So if I'm <laughs> my voice, well, you, you got that eighteen to uh, eighteen to like thirty-five uh, female demographic built in right there. <laughs> uh, Justin, you know, kind of an interesting question for you. Uh, obviously, you talk about how you talked about earlier about how um, you know you kind of as a as a vocalist of a band and so forth uh, have talk about some of these things in the last year or so since really doing this, have you really found yourself exploring more of what you've seen and the unknowns of kind of some of the powers you're, you're now kind of learning about in yourself that it's opening up new channels lyrically for you at all? Um, yes. So really the thing with, well, I know it's funny because the stuff that I've written since 
you know, quarantine. And since quarantine, we've been touring. Like, we totally fucking cheated, like, the whole quarantine thing. Like, we made it our bitch. Yeah, I mean, we were the only tour bus rolling for several months. Yeah, but with that being said, like, I couldn't rehearse with my band. Like, I do write everything, record it all, but, like, I can't, you know, rehearse for shows and all of right. that. So to be more independent and to really, like, do, like, the whole live stream thing that's going on, I picked up the acoustic and started writing acoustic songs. And the stuff that I've written about lyrically as of late has been very, very sad. Just very depressing stuff. But it's I, I am a storyteller in that aspect of like not really fantasy but real um, you know, situations that are kind of maybe hard to talk about for some. Hmm. I do feel like that will come out eventually because even if I don't want it to happen, it just naturally comes out in your art and, and in my lyrics. So it, it it'll sneak in. I'm waiting for it. <laughs> <laughs> Story, have you uh I mean obviously I know you've written I, at least one book that I know of for sure. I think Lindsay was saying that you're in the process of writing another one currently. Oh, Justin and I are writing it together. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it's actually Justin's book, but it's just the experience. It's, it's really just the touring experience, and my it's it's a chapter of my life that I want to document while it's still fresh, hmm. and it'll be very entertaining because we get into a lot of crazy shit, and we we literally are like Molly Crew Paranormal. That's what I, I say all the time. So just the stories and craziness just happens to find us everywhere. So yeah. we have really good stories. Oh, yeah, I think that's what's going to make our show so unique. It's not only – I mean, yes, we have this incredible paranormal footage. Like, it's, it rivals any of the shows I've seen except maybe Holds Your Files. Like, yeah. that's the only one that I'm like, holy shit, this is the closest thing to the evidence that we've captured. Uh, and then we also, you know, have the healing aspect. Like, we have aftercare. We want to help people. I do readings. Justin's getting Reiki, his Reiki um, certification next week, actually. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a CBD company with all these products that are to help people. Because a lot of times when people have paranormal stuff happening, they think they're crazy. Their first step is to go to the doctor and get sleeping pills and, and mm -hmm. like, like drugs and whatever. And then there is definitely a place for that. Like sometimes you go to a location and you're like, this is a haunted. You're, you're, you need a medical doctor. So I'm not taking away from that. But, you know, like all of these alternative medicine things and just we're like so committed to finding the answer and the truth and not treating the spirits like freak shows and not stirring up bad energy, but also helping the people that have these issues. So there's that aspect of our show, which is different too, but people love reality shit. They love crazy stuff. So yeah, we have, we'll have the paranormal fans. We have our own conscience, uh, you know, conscience satisfied because we're doing the healing stuff and we're making sure that we're doing ethically the right thing i suppose it's the best way to put it but the fun side is you know you watch some of these paranormal shows and the people in the show look like they don't even fucking like each other <laughs> anybody who hangs out with me and justin put your seatbelt on because we're probably going to break stuff you know we're going to get oh yeah. oh yeah i mean we we went to a, par a fancy part of our house that like in um, Hollywood, it was like this fancy house. On we the hole and drive. <laughs> we ended up getting drunk and fighting on the guy's kitchen floor. <laughs> this is wow. what we do. Justin, Justin got drunk and asked for piggyback rides all the time. And apparently we discovered that if you can ride a Stormy Daniels into a bar in Florida and they will serve you a Jack and Coke without batting an eye. Yeah. That happened. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, plus we have our other stuff going on. Like I am still who I am. I'm still, that's an ongoing thing. So I still have all of that stuff. And Justin has his music. So we're not, True. 
He's also a very talented special effects makeup artist. There's like so much stuff. And now we live in this church and weird stuff happens. It's just, you know, we're the most fucked up paranormal family ever. Yeah. One of the things too that I would like to add to that as well, that I think is very important to the show and for the viewers, like the, you know, the ultimate vision of it is we definitely are the type of people that it's documented. Like we, in the show, we want, you know, other people to kind of relate to us. And if you can get someone to like relate to you and kind of be friendly toward them without even really making a connection, then they're going to really take this stuff more seriously and maybe consider it, Hmm. consider their beliefs or tearing down walls or stuff. So I feel like we are very comfortable and can make other people comfortable. We're very approachable. Yeah, we're approachable. And I think that that has a lot to do with how it's going to go. (laughs) I mean, I've always been very approachable because because I worked in the adult business, people have no fucking filter. <laughs> I had an elderly lady ask me for anal sex tips in a produce section of a Ralph's one time. Like, because they think that you work in the adult business and you're so free and you're so open. You know, I make up the joke all the time. Like, I have nothing to hide. I saw my butthole on a jumbotron in Finland. Like, <laughs> like I have literally nothing to hide. And so people right. are come up and, and be open and talk about stuff because they're like, okay, well, I can't offend this chick or she's seen it all or like, so they're open and they come to me because of my past in the adult business. They don't, there's nothing they can say to me that they could shock me with. You know, I do some comedy as well and I can't tell you how many times people write questions on note cards because at the end of my show, I end with audience questions and it's anonymous. I can't tell you, and Justin will tell you because he picks up the note cards when I'm on stage doing comedy. I can't tell you how many note cards I've read where literally my answer was like, call a doctor. Like, you know, like you're more comfortable telling me what your discharge looks like than right. like, yeah. like literally people will tell me anything. And the flip side of that is Justin's got this great energy and he's young and vibrant and cool and like alternative looking. I don't know if that's the right word, Whatever but like he just has this great approachable energy and he's gen- like, he's genuinely one of the most yeah, I don't look nice judgmental. Yeah, and he's not. He's <laughs> genuinely probably the nicest human being I've ever met. So if you you can either relate to me or you can relate to him because we're we're the same, but we're also so different. I think you know that's the the kind of thing that's interesting about when you talk about you know paranormal shows and so forth is you get a lot of people who you know are so skeptical because of trick editing or you know whatever. And I, I feel like both of you basically, you know, Justin being in, in the music uh, business and so forth and, you know, all of that is like, you know, to even be remotely successful is like, you know, one in a million. And then Stormy, obviously, to have had the career that you've had and sustain it and be able to have success in the multifacets uh, that you've gone through, you know, writing a book, people probably told you, well, probably can't write a book or directing. Like, what do you know about that? I didn't write the book. I dare, I challenge anybody right now to get my book and read one page of it and tell me that it's not me. Right. So it's one of those things, like, I feel like the two of you are examples of thriving in situations or, or fields that basically would put a lot of people off because of the hard work and just how behind the eight ball, basically you're going to be at all times. Yeah knowing that there's going to be skeptics when when all of this the show is finally released does that kind of make it a little bit harder 
uh, to do this and just kind of be like, it sucks knowing that like we had some really wild, amazing shit and we're showing everybody these things and showing like what's actually happening and what we're experiencing. And that people are just going to be like, nah, it's all fake. It's all cameras. It's all tricks. It's all whatever. I think Justin kind of feeds on it a little bit. Like he takes it as a challenge. Yeah, um, I mean, part of me does too because I'm I'm tenacious and stubborn, and you know the fastest way to get me to do something is to tell me that I can't. <laughs> but at the same time, a huge trigger for me, it, it, my entire life, to be quite honest, but more so in the last four years for very obvious reasons, is a trigger for me is to be called a liar. Mm. Because I mean, it was I'm honest to a fault to be truthful. Like, I mean, being honest, completely fucking ruined my life. Like, you know, so there's, I wouldn't do this if it wasn't the truth. I wouldn't have invested $300,000 of my own money. I wouldn't have, you know, I wouldn't have done, I would have at least waited till all my court cases were done before I publicly. <laughs> I see dead people. I hear spirits. Like, I mean, do you realize the press is going to have a fucking field day with that? And it could do some serious damage to these, cases that I have a lot of money tied up in. I mean, we all know what those are and I don't need to talk about them, but I mean, if you're in the middle of a high profile court case with one of the most powerful people in the world, do you really think that's a good time to come out and be like, I see ghosts, <laughs> you know, perhaps I should have sat on that for a while. It's probably not going to help my case, <laughs> but I couldn't because like I went back, like I said, I'm too honest for my own good. Clearly. I have a question and it's just cause I sometimes ask things that maybe I shouldn't. Um, and I can cut this out if you, <laughs> I can, I can cut it out or you don't have to answer it, but either way, just out of the curiosity, did you get any like kind of vibes or anything kind of like alerting you that like maybe the person you're talking about that you're going through these cases with, like that something may not be like something bad or whatever may happen as a result of your interactions with them parts of that before I went yes I clearly remember standing and and I love that you asked this because all these paranormal interviews and stuff I've done no one has asked me this question I just know with your the litigious nature of what's going on that like that's why I didn't mention any names uh I didn't mention any of that kind of shit um uh, but it, I will people tell me all the time aren't you afraid of ghosts I'm like are you self Trump naked <laughs> Fair enough. I um, stare down an orange goblin, like, come at me, ghost. Like, it's not a thing. Pumpkin bomb in your ass. I have this <laughs> very long time ago. Yeah. And a lot of things have happened. And there are parts of that weekend that I'm like, I, I don't remember. Nothing to him, just whatever. But one of, the, one of the clearest memories I have is I went with a friend of mine, Alana, and this other girl, Cindy, and they were getting tattoos. And I, and I wasn't, but they were in a tattoo shop. Hold on. Hold on, just a second. What did you say the first girl's name is? Alana. Is that the artist? No, she's a porn star. Her name's Alana. Okay, I was going to say, there was this uh, artist, uh, Alana Gore, I believe. Uh, um, she did a famous uh, drawing of Trump naked with a micro dick. Oh, and... but this was, no, this was, this okay. was that, that fateful night in, in you know, okay. uh, 2006. Anyway, they're getting tattooed, and I have this very clear... Like, I mean, literally it could have been yesterday and I'm standing outside on a street corner in Tahoe outside the tattoo shop and I'm on the phone with my publicist mm. and I clearly remember him saying like, what do you have to lose? If nothing, you'll get a good story out of it. 
Like, and I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, it also gets you out of this other thing that you don't want to go to. He had a very valid point there. And I was like, I remember saying, Mike, I got to tell you, something in my gut tells me that this is not a good idea. Mm. He was like, well, did he seem creepy? Do you have a bad vibe? And like, was, was something inappropriate said? And I was like, no, 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 not at all, which is true. And I was like, I just have a feeling. And he was like, I think you, as your publicist and your manager and, and, and whatever, he's like, I think you should go. If it gets weird, just get up and walk out. He's like, don't drink, don't have anything to drink. And I, I wasn't a drinker back then. I, I, you know, and he was like, keep your phone on you, make sure it's charged, tell everybody where you're going to be. And he's like, first, you know, bad sign say you have to go to the bathroom and leave. Mm. I was like, I still like, Oh, and tell, and you can ask Justin right now, this is something to this day that I'm working on. And I've gotten exponentially better in the last several months. Like when I have a gut feeling, I vocalize it now. I tell him I'm, like, I'm so much better. So much better, but still working on it. Now. I know, but um, I did. And then I, you know, he was like, he, I pushed it aside. Now I will tell you that when I was physically in there and I was in the moment and we were having the conversation and it's been, the story's been beat to death a million times. It's in my book or whatever. I did not have a bad vibe. Hmm. Like he was a dick. He was arrogant. I checked him and we went on to have a, yeah, I, um, I went on to have a very, very interesting and good conversation. And I think part of it was, and I wasn't drinking, but I was young and naive and I was in the middle of, you know, proving myself as an independent, smart woman. And I, you know, and it was complete and utter shock when I walked out of the bathroom um, but at the same time, I have kind of learned only in the last couple of months, really, to make peace with it, to everything happens for a reason. Right. And, you know, people go back all the time and say, are you, do you regret coming forward? And I, sometimes I make the joke of saying like, I didn't really have a choice, but I regret going to that hotel. But sitting here right at this very moment, and I could feel completely different tomorrow or the next day or even in an hour. No, because every step led me to where I am right now. It led me to the you know my what all the things that happened, all the experiences I had. It led me to hitting that rock bottom where I met my best friends that gave me the opportunity to do this show, which is not do, about doing a show. There's plenty of I've been on lots of shows. I don't need to be on a TV show. I was right. on now. Nothing's ever going to top that experience for me. You know what I mean? But I have the opportunity to use the name that became out of this, like, I'm going to go ahead and say tragedy. For me, it was a tragedy. Like, my complete life was, like, all of my life was completely ruined. I lost my family. I lost my child for a while. I lost my career. I lost my house. I lost my horses. I lost my entire identity. Mm. And so something good has to come out of it. And for me, I think this is it. And I'm fortunate enough that I met this person who doesn't want anything from me. He's, you know, and he's on this journey with me. And I think that we have a chance to help people. I really do, because there's no way in hell that I'm the only person that had these experiences that had something in my house that, you know, I'm just the most famous person that it's happened to. And right now I have the attention of the world. And if I can use that as my platform, then we're going to fucking kill it, dude. So I have, a, I have another interesting follow-up question to that. Not about that, just kind of actually switching topics. But um, having myself recently 
gone to therapy over the last couple of months. Um, and it's something I've talked about uh, habitually on this show. You know, they, they talk about when you are a therapist, basically, you know, you're hearing all these people's problems, you're helping people work through problems and that you kind of need an outlet for yourself to kind of purge some of these things uh, that you're dealing with and, and taking on day in and day out for your profession. Adversely, I would imagine the same has got to happen for you with everything you're experiencing between, you know, Justin with you, like potentially being able to start healing people and maybe in a different capacity than you are currently and stormy, you know, with everything that you as a medium are able to kind of take on, I would imagine you're, you're very much an empath uh, because you're able to take on these things and see things happening. Uh, that are, are tragedies like you were saying earlier about, you know, uh, the person you're with, you know, daughter passing away a few days after you had the premonition. Have you, has it made you start uh, maybe going to therapy if you hadn't already, or is it making you, you know, you were just saying something that really sp spoke, spoke to me because uh, one of my things in therapy was setting boundaries and vocalizing the boundaries uh, and addressing them when people were crossing them or whatever, because I was not good at that. So when you were saying, you know, that you're getting better at when you have a gut feeling or something within, you're vocalizing it now. So that's kind of where my my thought of like, have you started seeking out therapy or have you been going to therapy? And and if so, has it either strengthened uh, your what you're going through together or separately or, you know, anything like that? So that's a very good and a very interesting question for a couple of reasons. Um, when I was living at the, in the house that I have referred to. Um, I had a partner and it was a shit show hmm. and we actually did try to go to therapy and I found that no therapist in the world is equipped to handle what <laughs> I'm through. like there's no support group. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not a drug addict. I, I, you know, I'm not there because I lost a child. You know what I mean? Like I'm the only person in the entire existence of the universe who had the experience I had. There's just not enough people. They, they, I mean, the therapist that I had, I went to her like three or four times. She was wonderful. She was so cool. She was so sweet. I was just, it was beyond her realm of capabilities. Plus I'm so afraid of, you know, them going, I know that they're, they're obligated not to tell, but I don't mean shit though. <laughs> I just don't trust it. And I mean, Justin, basically the poor kid was my therapist probably still is. He gives, and he, honestly, he gives better advice than any of the therapists I've ever talked to. And that's the truth. And I mean, it just, I've just kind of learned how to fix it myself, I guess, which is not advice that I would give to anybody else, but nobody else. Is <laughs> Daniels. You know what I mean? Like it's, I didn't really have too much of a choice. Um, right. And I think me being so fucked up when Justin and I met like in every aspect, because I had, you know, I lived this life for when he and I met, it would have been about 18 months when he and I met of zero privacy, being shot at, constant death threats. I didn't take a piss by myself without two armed black men standing over me for over a year. Like mm. that fucks with your head. You know what I mean? And and I, I mean, I was messed up. Then combined with the fact that, you know, I'm going to all these appearances and people are crying and telling me I have to save the world and dumping all this energy. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I said, please stop crying. I have to take my panties off now. There's no crying in strip clubs because people are at the stage. <laughs> Yeah. And then when my book came out and it talked about sexual abuse and rape and things like that, and then I have all these people coming to me, you know, sharing their stories, and and I have to, I was, I, I be, go to a therapist. I was a therapist, right? 
And then I met Justin, and he had no fucking idea who I was because he doesn't know. He probably doesn't even know who, president, who the president is right now. And that's a blessing for me. And because right. I was so messed up, that's how we figured out he was a healer because I was struggling so hard at the time. And full disclosure, like, I wanted to die. I laid on my floor in my house for, like, three days and just wished to die. Like, I was like, I've lost everything. Mm. And Justin took care of me. And there were these times where, like, when I was the most, like, distraught and he would just stay with me or, like, put his arms around me or whatever, the next day he would be violently ill. Like, violently ill. Like, I thought I had to take him to urgent care a couple of times. And then I figured out the pattern. Mm. And that's how we figured out that he was whatever it is that he is. Absorbs <laughs> <laughs> bullshit. What was that? A healer who just, like, absorbs bullshit. And I guess miss it out by vomiting. <laughs> well, I think that, you know that's kind of the thing for me is like, I almost had something similar, like I me, mean, not quite the same. I would say is like, where you're, you're taking it on, but like I had the day coincidentally of the, the, uh, capital being rioted. Um, I had a random person reach out to me that I don't really know, but through the power of social media, you know, you're quote unquote friends with everybody. And it was just kind of very weird. And then finally they were like, Oh, I'm going to kill myself. But like, they live in another country. So I'm like, literally like, man, what the fuck? Like, I just, I literally just had to like go to my uncle's funeral of like my best friend, like a week later, like passed away. And then like, now I got this and like, I'm just emotionally tapped. Like I don't have anywhere to put it. And it was one of those things. Like, I remember I had to do this uh, with my co-host and like, I was like, Hey man, I'm going to be a little bit late. I'm dealing with something. And I came in and then like told him what was going on and just fucking broke down for 20 minutes, like <laughs> over this. And then I was like, dude, I can't do this anymore. I can't keep taking people's baggage on yeah. top of mine that I'm not even able to like, I have so much baggage of other people. And I love the fact that people come to me. Like it's, it's a great feeling, but it's such a heavy burden at times um, to take on these things because, you know, part of, like I was saying earlier, part of my thing was setting boundaries. And, you know, like the other side of that was I was seeing a lot of, I would overthink things. And, you know, I was coming up with problems that weren't even happening and then trying to come up with 19 solutions to these problems that weren't oh even happening. What was that? Are you a Pisces? No, I think I'm a Virgo, but I'm a, I think I'm oh. a cusp. Uh, I'm September 20th is my birthday. So I know I'm like on the cusp of whatever the next one is. Um, but it's just one of those things like I, I know for me that that's something that like I struggled with is, is taking on a lot of other people's stuff. And, you know, I've had, you know, some of my tattoo artist friends uh, on here was one of the first podcasts. You know, I was joking with him at the time, you know, that you're basically a cut rate therapist because you're because of shows like, uh you know, um whatever the fuck that show with Kat Von D was, um, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was one of those things where I was like, because of those shows everybody's horrible story became like why you're getting a tattoo. It can't be because like, Oh, I just like something stupid. I have like where it's like I, on a tour I did uh, a buddy of mine gave me a pizza tattoo with a pentagram. And I was like, Oh, it's just fucking funny. Cause like the thing I love hurts me the most. Cause I get heartburn from it, but I love eating it and I'll still eat it. But like it, you know, tears me up. So it's a joke. It's not serious. It's not one of those where it's like, Oh, my tattoos have meaning. They do, but not like serious. Like, you know, some horrible shit I went through. And so I was telling him, I was like, I feel like because of that show, like you hear horrible stories day in and day out. Oh 
and then he was like, yeah, like I did this tattoo on an older lady and it was her first one. I'm like, Hey, what happened? Like, why are you getting this? Like, you know, tell me a little bit, like, trying to learn a little bit about herself. And she, uh, and he was like, she tells me that like, it's because she finally left her abusive husband of like 30 some odd years. And this is like her thing of like finally being free. And like, then she'd go into detail about what happened. And you're just like, you hear these stories day in and day out. And I go, well, what does that do to you when you go home? Cause like, you're taking on all this shit and then you're going to go home to like your either yourself and then just sit in it or you're going to go home to a girlfriend or a spouse and you know while they're sitting there going and it's not demeaning or lessening their day but like or their experiences but they're like oh you know carol that crazy bitch at work today she was making my life difficult and you're like yeah i had to hear about a lady who had been in an abusive relationship for 30 fucking years and hear about what they're doing and things like that. And it's just like, we don't think about those things. That's the other side of these things we don't think about. So when listening to you two talk, it's, it's one of those where, you know, and like I said, since I've been talking about therapy and talking about mental health a lot more um, on this podcast, it's one of those that you're dealing with things that people can't see. And a lot of times can't even understand what you're, you're going through and experiencing. So how do you get through your days? And it sounds like it's through each other, like having each other's back, uh, literally, um, and being there for each other. It is, is sounds like how that works for you. Definitely. And we've actually, to go back to the tattoo thing, Justin and I have actually talked about that quite a bit. Uh, one of the most haunted places, or I don't want to say haunted, one of the most active paranormal places I've been to is a tattoo studio. Mm. Um, it's not a famous location. Nobody knows about it. It's actually a friend of mine's shop, and I had to go in and do some work there. Because, yes, it's it's so much energy. People, you know, I have some tattoos that are just fun and silly. Like, you know, my Team Stormy tattoo, he's got the same one. Um, <laughs> you know, that's just a fun one. I have a couple of other, like, really fun ones. But then I have some. You know, the girl that pat, the, the girl that I told you passed away, I have her name tattooed on me. I have the tattoo that on my stomach, it, it's a clock stopped at the time of my daughter's birth. That's, that's a great joyous moment, but it's a lot of energy. You know, like, I, I all of my tattoos don't necessarily mean something, but a lot of them do. And so you have these tattoo artists and, and they're either getting something emotionally charged because of something terrible, like you just said, or a portrait of somebody who passed away, or they're getting a fucking cover up for somebody who broke their heart and they got their name tattooed on. There's so much energy in these tattoos combined with physical pain, physical pain. Yeah. And, or, and I think about the one who had their mastectomy scars tattooed over you know, yep. the, the one on my stomach is to cover my seat. It's a medical scar that I had covered, you know, from having my daughter. And so you have intense emotions combined with physical pain mm -hmm. combined with it. I mean, let's just go ahead and say what tattooing is. It's therapy. It's bloodletting. Oh, well, <laughs> like, yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yes. <laughs> but yeah. so it makes the tattoo artist a therapist. <laughs> Kind of like strippers, but with less alcohol, hopefully. And their clothes on, hopefully. <laughs> it's. Uh, I would say it's a little bit cheaper, but I actually don't think it is. <laughs> I think tattoos uh, can actually cost, if, if not more, <laughs> in some instances. Tattoos of your face and good tattoos, pretty. That's stuff pretty you don't expensive. really. Yeah, you yeah. don't. You, you got to pay like a dollar for. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not entirely. I I definitely it sucks because like I'm at that point now with having a lot of friends to tattoo where you're like, oh, you must have spent so much money, and you're like, I mean, I'm going to tell you the going rate. Right? That's not what I'm paying. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, no, yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, kind of slowly and wrapping up, um, you know, obviously you had said that, you know, I think something that's always commendable because, uh, you know, you said like, you know, anyone can kind of have a show. Anyone, you know, I'm like, I laughed when you said that for anyone who maybe watched this uh, back down the road uh, that I laughed. The reason I laughed was because I was like, yeah, I have a fucking show. And the whole reason I started it was because I got tired of seeing people interview some of my favorite bands and some of my favorite like people in bands. And like, they're just shit in the bed, basically. I'm like, what? Like, oh, where'd you come up with your name? And you're like, dude, this band's been around for 10 fucking years. You got 30 minutes with this dude. That's one of the questions you're asking. Like, what the fuck? Come on, do better. And yeah, be original. Yeah. And so like the thing for me was, was, you know, something that un weirdly that I have an innate talent, I guess, is talking to essentially strangers and having them open up to me and telling me things that, probably shouldn't tell someone that you just met. Um, and then I same. I don't have that, that I'm aware of. I do have weird. Sometimes I have these weird uh, things like deja vu, basically like where I will be like, did I, I swear I dreamed this or did this happen already? Like I have those, mm-hmm. but like never enough that I'm like writing it down or anything. Maybe I should just to be like, Hey, uh, yeah. Like six months ago, I had this, this thought or this idea that something was going to happen. And then it fucking did maybe not quite the way I thought, but it is, uh, it is interesting kind of, you know, talking to you guys. And I, and I have usually I'm Mr. Overprepare. I write a shitload of questions, um, down because I at least like to have the ability to, if the conversation's not really going well to at least be like, okay, like here's some bullet points I can kind of hit and create like a little bit of a, a, an arc, uh, conversationally. But this was one where I was like, man, like between a couple exes of mine, uh, and I sharing stories of like, um, you know, like my ex had told a story about going to an abandoned house in Detroit and basically uh, some some scary shit happening. And like I was like, oh, I did the same thing. I went to an abandoned paper mill um, in my old city uh, that I grew up in in Parchment. And we heard uh, I heard cats and I was like, oh, that's weird cats. Like because no one had been in that. No one had the facility hadn't been opened for decades. And I know bums live there because it's free housing, basically. But we went to like the basement, basement part of this factory and I kept hearing kittens and I'm like, that's so weird. Like, I guess it's not weird. Like strays will find anywhere that they're shelter. And I remember we all got to the room where these things where we kept hearing the kittens and we get into this room and it's just a room full of barrels, which since they were a paper making uh, factory, presumably these were old barrels of the solution to make the paper. Um, and I remember hearing it and it was in the back corner as it always fucking is. And I got back there and you kind of had to wiggle your way through everything. And then we all happened to get back there and the kitten mewing stopped and then the door shut behind us. And it's like, we're all right in front of each other. So it's not like, Oh, the one straggler is fucking with the rest of us. And it was just like, uh, and then it's like, there's no kittens. The mewing stopped. Now the door shut. Okay. Like what the fuck? What was that? I'm going to tell you right now, I got to read on that. And to me, it feels like bait. Like someone's beating you to go in there and no fucking kittens, man. I'm sorry. Yeah. Hey, get man, we have candy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then it's like, you know, today, weirdly enough, like uh, one of the neighbors at the end of our block, I noticed there's a red balloon tied to their sewer grate. <laughs> and I was like, that's, like that's, that's weird. And I was like, and I took a video of it to post on socials later. And I was like, oh, I've seen this fucking movie before. Um, yeah, right. 
but it's just kind of weird because it's like you literally will assume you'll never see that because it's like oh i mean come on cliche um but there's just shit like that quite a bit where it's uh i've had experiences with some of those things and you're just kind of like I, there's not really a logical explanation and i would love to tell you like oh it was at nighttime and it was super scary but no we were in that factory and it was like 11 a.m in the morning so i mean it's like it was daylight you could still see the light outside it just was scary as shit and we even went back later that night just to go see if something else happened in there in you know spookier situations and nothing happened yeah. so that's what made it even scarier was that it's like happened in the daytime that's way more fucked up yeah uh, i will tell you right now it doesn't matter if it's daytime or nighttime for a paranormal activity um, there's a couple things to kick it up. Yes, a full moon might make it stronger. Um, rainstorms, you know, thunderstorms because of the electricity. But I actually do most of my readings because I do video readings. I do card, you know, mediumship and tarot, not tarot, but all card readings. Hmm. And I'm up every morning. He sleeps all day. And which actually works out great because I get up and I do my readings. And I'm the, I'm the strongest between 7 a.m. and 1 p.m. Hmm. So most of my, like, I'm, I don't do readings at night and most people want to be like, Oh, you know, I'm like, I, I don't. <laughs> what is, you know, cause I, I have a feeling when people listen to this, there, there's probably going to be skepticism in some of this just because I think it's comes with the territory. Um, what is something that you would want people to, take away from, from, you know, if they check out your show or just check out anything, you know, following you on social media and so forth, what's something you want them to take away from what you're trying to, to do? I mean, I guess some of the, a lot of stuff that we've already talked about, like, you know, I'm not being paid to do this. As a matter of fact, I've exhausted my, my financial resources because I was so committed to the truth. You know, um, we have all the evidence to back it up. If you have, if you doubt my abilities as a, you know, a reader or a medium, just go read any of my reviews. You know, they'll always tell you they're you're spot on. Or just get a reading. Or just get a reading. I, <laughs> I challenge you. We, we, you know, Justin and I just did a piece for Vice TV the other day, and I pulled for the host, and she was shocked. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Justin, I don't pull for Justin anymore, but I used to, and he'll vouch. He's the most honest person I know. Um, and there's not a lot of money in paranormal investigating. You know, when you go in and you cleanse a house, if somebody has an attachment, um, a lot of the things that involve come from the church. You're not allowed to charge. We're not getting. We're not going to get rich off of this. Um, Which is weird because the church, at least in New Orleans, charges you to go to the fucking and not even the church that necessarily is. If I understood it correctly, not even the denomination that is housing the people. They were just like, I guess, the ones that were like, "Hey, we're going to monetize this now," which I thought was weird. Or you monetize with offerings or like collection, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Don't the Lord. You're unholy and don't help. You don't donate. Yeah. 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 Weird how that happened. I, mean, I want people to take away. Honestly, it's it's really just one of those things. It's another case of really just be true to yourself and think about you know take into consideration other people's experiences and things that they're going through. Don't just be stubborn and think that your way is the best way. It's just or the only way or the only way. It's just your opinion. And everyone has their own opinions on things and everyone, you know, travels different paths of life and just to be accepting of it and kind of, you know, be more intrigued by it. And if you, you know, people like humans should also like, they should always learn. Hmm. The moment you stop learning, you might as well be dead because you're not making any progress. Like as soon as you become comfortable, you're, you know, not living. So just live a little, I guess. Want people to live a little. And you know what? 
this too shall pass. <laughs> Last question for you. Where can everyone find you or whatever you would like to plug online? Okay. Um, for Spooky Babes, we are always Spooky Babes Show on TikTok, Instagram, uh, Facebook. Our website website is spookybabesshow.com. Our email address can be found. So we are always Spooky Babes Show. For me personally, uh, on Instagram, I am the Stormy Daniels. I have the blue check mark. Obviously, everybody knows that Twitter is my favorite sport. That's Stormy Daniels. Um, <clears throat> I don't have a public Facebook, so if you're talking to me on Facebook, you're being catfish. Uh, <laughs> I can tell you all this social media, but if you want to support us, please go to our YouTube and watch our trailer so we can get as many likes and comments as possible. Um, buy some of our merch, come out to our investigations, whatever. Get a reading from me. You can find our email address. I'm more than happy to talk to skeptics. Um, and then the best way to support Justin, of course, is to listen to his amazing music. Go, Justin. It's my turn. Um, <laughs> so um, on Instagram, you can find me at Bonegazi, which is B-O-N-E-G-H-A-Z-I. Um, you could also find my band on there, Dead Sled Funeral Company. We uh we have an EP out on Bandcamp and it's it's kind of in limbo just trying to you know do more of that but obviously with the COVID shit it's really been fucked. Um, don't add me on Facebook if you don't know me. If you want to, <laughs> <you know>. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's mainly just uh, where you can find me and the stuff that I'm doing with uh, music, art, paranormal, like the stuff aside from paranormal stuff too because I still do have a lot of stuff going on personally as we we all do. Uh, real quick, other than we want to plug, uh, and I don't know how soon this podcast is coming out. Um, yeah, probably in two weeks from now. Okay. So in a couple weeks from now, we have our own beer coming out. Oh, oh shit. So, I got to get that. Yeah. It's called Parabrew. You can uh, find it here in New Orleans or through Courtyard Brewery, of course. Yeah. And uh, Justin will be Reiki certified pretty soon, so you'll be able to go to our website and book healings and all of that with him. Yeah. So I guess, obviously, with the name, you know, brutally speaking, how did uh, how did the beer come come about? Oh my god, this is a really great story. Yeah, actually, it's, it's very just it's genuine. So it's our, so organic. Yeah, our buddy Scott, who is the owner of Courtyard Brewery here in New Orleans, he is in a new location now. But I met Scott before you. Yeah, yeah, you met Scott way before that. They were like neighbors. Yeah, that super fucked up haunted house I mentioned. Scott. <laughs> yeah. That's how we met. Yeah. So fast forward to him opening up this brewery in this old rehab facility, which also used to be a mortuary. Now it's a brewery. So it's just because New Orleans. Orleans is fucked. <laughs> so last being friends with him, he was like, Yeah, come investigate it with the show. And then it just kind of gravitated from there where we just got drunk and like dude we should make a beer that'd be fucking sick so now <laughs> we're making a, a s'more stout beer <laughs> and it has, yeah so it's gonna, be sick. it's gonna be cool it's called parabrew it's the spooky babes beer um can i show them the logo yeah you, cool. you get an exclusive it looks fucking sick dude. um here's the best part so he was like what do you want your beer to taste like and i was like i definitely want it to be a stout i don't like ipa um, he's got a couple beers at his place that are pretty amazing. He's got like a chocolate one, a vanilla one, um, a cherry pie one. They actually taste like these no, they're, things. He, they're sick. Yeah. He's so good. he goes, I want it to be a stout. So this is the, uh, fuck, Oh, that's really one. cool. Thanks. My buddy, Brandon, Brandon Dixon did it. Art by Twig on Instagram. Uh, but he was, I was like, I definitely want it to be a stout, which is very, very dark, you know? And I was like, wait, 
can we put hot pink glitter in it, like edible glitter? And Scott showed like, right yeah, we, we, can, we can do that because he had glitter in another beer. And I was like, I need hot pink glitter because our Swiggy Babes colors are hot pink and black. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, well, what do you want it to taste like? What kind of desserts do you like? And I was like, yes. <laughs> all of the desserts. Justin doesn't have much of a sweet tooth. So I was like, anything you make for dessert tasting, I'm going to be into. So I deflect. And then Justin's most brilliant idea. I mean, my contribution to the cause was hot ink glitter. Justin's was. Was the s'more stout, you know, spooky campfire beer. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, the only way you probably would have been able to hit it a little bit easier, like more on the head would have been if you did some kind of a, like a pumpkin beer uh, for fall. Oh, it's happening. Trust me, it's it's happening during season. If not for Spooky Babes, definitely like for like a dead sled thing. I've been wanting to do that for years. So that was my conversation with Stormy Daniels and Justin, a.k.a. the Spooky Babes. Uh, that was a real fun chat. I, like I said, went into it with nothing really prepared. I just wanted to have a really loose, interesting conversation. And I definitely think that delivered um like i said it it's it's kind of commendable honestly uh for stormy especially uh being as such of a public figure as she is to like she kind of joked uh to come out and just kind of be like you know I, i think i have these uh predilections to being a medium and to um basically have these experiences where uh, you know, I, I kind of see events sometimes before they're happening, you know, I kind of can communicate with, you know, the dead and, you know, not being afraid to just be honest and upfront about that. I mean, I, shit, I think about some of the things that we as people are afraid to tell people, um, for fear of being ridiculed or whatever. And I think Stormy is basically one of the biggest people we've had on the show as far as name recognizability, um, just because of the mainstream, news basically that has been happening over the last handful of years with her uh and you know an orange goblin uh that used to be in office but it's uh it's i don't know there's just something really refreshing uh about you know just her forthcomingness with everything and on top of that i think it's really just interesting too that you know not as she's kind of learning what she is capable of doing you know justin's basically right there with her um also kind of uh expounding upon his skills and his talents at this point and you know really just the camaraderie the two of them have found in being with each other um through this journey um i think that's really interesting i I think it's probably something that you know their bond is probably one that fuck probably not many people uh can have and i think you know it just kind of showcases sometimes how the world will put people together that need to be together um and you don't necessarily know why that reason is but you know in this case I, i feel like it's to do good uh, for a lot of people and bring resolve to uh, people who are going through some real shit. And that's, uh, that's really cool. I, I mean, not a lot of us have, not a lot of us necessarily know what our purpose is. And I think, you know, to find someone else who is going through that journey, I think is just incredible. So uh huge thanks to Stormy and Justin for coming on. Um, if you would like to keep up with Spooky Babes uh, on the social medias, well, first of all, you can just go to SpookyBabesShow.com. That should be your landing page for everything. Uh, Facebook is at Spooky-Babes-Paranormal-Show. Instagram is at Spooky Babes Show. And I didn't see a Twitter. I thought there was one, but I, I couldn't come across it when I was looking for it. So maybe there isn't one. Uh, but at that point, you can just follow Stormy on Instagram and Twitter 
Twitter. Uh, Instagram is at the Stormy Daniels. Twitter is at Stormy Daniels. And you can keep up with Justin on Instagram at Bongazi, B-O-N-G-H-A-Z-I. And on Twitter, he is at Draco underscore sad boy, B-O-I. Uh, they will be in the show notes. Uh, if you can't spell any of those things, huge thanks to them for coming on and taking the time to talk with me uh, a couple of weeks ago at this point and uh, everything for the show. If you'd like to keep up with us, simple enough, BruceSpeakPod.com is the landing page. Uh, BruceSpeakPod, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, rate, review, subscribe. You know why that's important and uh, we greatly appreciate any feedback and any uh, love that we can get. And speaking of love, I uh, want to thank our sponsors, Rockabilia.com. Again, use our code BREW, get 10% off your total purchase order. The Bean Bastard, uh, go over there at beanbastard.com, pick up some delicious coffee. And On Point Palm, keep your beard and hair looking on point. Use our code BSP15 and take 15% off your total purchase order. And for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I'm John, and I'm going to finish this dragon's milk and uh, go hang out with my wife. And we will talk to you next week when we have Porter McKnight of Atreyu. This is a good one. Uh, if you didn't see it live when it was happening, basically it's about two hours and then another four over on uh, Porter's Twitch channel. So we'll talk to you next week with a, a really fun, lengthy chat. Hope you have a good week.